You're listening to Work Human Radio. And here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force. My name is Mike Wood. I am the social media manager here at Global Force, and I'm also your host. This week, we are going to be talking to John Baldino. John Baldino is a founder and president over at Humoriso. It's an HR consulting firm. John has about 26 years of experience in HR. He's a great guy. He really focuses on how you communicate with your employees. And Sarah Payne recently caught up with John over the phone to talk about all things HR, his upcoming presentation at Work Human, and it even delved into the wonderful topic of hammer pants. So uh, take a listen, and we'll see you after the break. I'd like to first start with uh, who you are and uh, the work you do at Humoriso. Well, uh, who am I? Uh, it's like one of these deep questions to start out with. Um, I mean, professionally, I have been in human resources for just about 27 years, covering HR generalist-type roles, um, specializing in leadership development. At this point, we do I do a lot of strategy work as well. been doing that probably for the last 16 years with organizational design and development, uh, business construct, um, looking at workforce planning, um, again, executive coaching, those things that are really helping to drive the C-suite forward. So that's professionally. Personally, uh, married, three kids, all teenagers. Um, it's a crazy house. Uh, and um, I think sometimes work is my escape from that. But I really do like my family, I promise. And you have a dog too, right? I do <laughs> I do have a dog. The dog is is probably almost as famous as I am, right? I mean, I think maybe more so. Uh, yes, we have a a, a little black uh, half dachshund, half something else that we rescued from a pound, and his name is Champ. Um, he is now blind, um, and he is a dog that doesn't bark and is really good, and even if he annoys me, he just keeps wagging his tail. So, you know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> That's why we love dogs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so uh, would you say that human resources and is an art or a science? Um, so, uh, you know, now I'm really going to show my HR true colors. Um, I think it's a bit of both. Um, certainly, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to do my graduate work at Villanova University, and I actually have a Master's of Science, um, which is kind of unusual in, in HR studies, um, because I really believe pretty strictly in, in metric. Um, I believe that we can measure things. I believe that we can put some effort into how to measure those things. Um, I think as a discipline, sometimes we get scared by that. I remember you know, a very long time ago um, when I was in college, um, folks you know, thinking about going into HR because they, didn't have to, they weren't great with math. Um, and, and that really you know, has kind of stuck with people. Um, has stuck with some folks for a long time, um, and I think that uh, we maybe have done a disservice to our kind of our role in industry. Um, so I'm a big believer in metrics. So I, be I look at the science of that, that there really should be data points. We should be able to point to things very clearly. We should be able to define um, what we see. We should be able to test it, um, you know, based on a hypothesis, all the good scientific method stuff. But I also would say it's an art because you're dealing with people. And so in that, you know, there is a humanistic standpoint to it. And, you know, adding A and B 
um, may not always give you give you the same result. And I liken it very much to kids that are raised in the same home um, with the same parents and the same set of rules and expectation. Um, that doesn't keep those kids from being expressive in their own way. It doesn't keep those kids from either bucking against the system or accepting it and moving forward. Um, you know, so the environment can be consistent, but the response is still, you know, people. Um, and so then you really have to be smart in human resources, knowing that as to how to apply these things to folks. Um, there may be more than one way to do it um, as a result, and we have to be nimble enough to do that. And you know, you do a lot of consulting work. Mm -hmm. What are the big, biggest challenges your clients are facing this year? It's a great question, and I'm sure that there'll be a lot of folks who may, you know, have varying opinions. For me, and and what I'm seeing, um, I see a, a couple of things. One, retention um, and recruitment, I think, are huge issues. The market um, has opened up a bit for various reasons, but you know, um, folks are, are, are not as plentiful perhaps as they were say five years ago. Um, there are less qualified candidates, um, sometimes from a skill development standpoint, but, but a lot of times at this point it's because they've already been hired, um, and so there's less of a pool to choose from, which obviously bucks up against retention. You know, what are we doing with the folks that we've got, and how do we keep them without you know, begging for them to stay because, you know, that's a problem for some organizations. You just keep giving raises and, and giving perks and all of a sudden you've sort of priced yourself out of any sort of realistic measurement and return on that. So I would say recruitment and retention certainly is a, is a big challenge. Um, I'd also say we've got to have a better focus on our startup community. Uh, figuring out ways in which we can leverage those, you know, innovative ideas, the onesie twosie companies that are really trying to make a, a go at it. Um, there's some great ideas there, and and in major cities across the country, there's some great incubators at work delivering product and service that really would benefit the larger market. Um, at hand, but it's a matter of trying to reach out to those folks and help to leverage that. And, and um, what I see, and, and human resources can partner in this, is that we're, we just continue to try to figure out better ways to sort of bring those startup concepts and companies together with larger, more established organizations and um, sort of use the best of both worlds together, um, have one teach the other um, in the things that we're good at. Uh, I think that's a, a difficult thing to do, but I think from a, from a tech and a, really an overall industrial perspective, we really would be smarter to connect to those startups um, in different ways. So you hosted a webinar with us uh, back last summer, and it was called yeah. Feel Good Recognition Moments. So why do you think recognition is so important in building a human workplace? And then my other part of that question is, do you have a favorite recognition moment? So, you, you know, I do have a, a favorite recognition moment, and, and I, don't, uh, I would say that it's more a, a time in each um, job that I've held. It's usually when I'm leaving. And what I mean by that is often when someone announces that they're moving on, then folks will walk in the door to say, hey, um, you know, we're really going to miss you. Um, you know, I, here's something for you that I, you know, just always made me think of you, and I just picked it up, and 
you know, this is for you, or or someone sit, you know comes in, shuts the door, and just shares with you, especially in HR, you know, some of the ways in which you provided some uh, a development path for them that you challenge them to get out of their own head and uh, onto something that that really would be impactful um, for the remainder of their life. And there's really you know an emotional connection there, and they're the really rich moments for me because I know that I've encouraged someone towards their own success, um, and that's you know one of the Probably the biggest uh, life goals for me is to set others up for success. But I would say it's unfortunate that sometimes those things don't occur until it seems like a natural time to do it, which is saying goodbye. Um, and I think that coming back to your first question of why recognition is so important to build in a human workplace, it really needs to be done in a fluid, consistent way. I think recognition needs to be put into practice um, a daily discipline. You know, we we work out each day because, well, let's let's be idealistic. I recognize what I just said. I know we're supposed to work out, say, each day or five days a week <laughs> or something like that. Um, and uh, and but we do that because it's you know it's for our health. It's it's for our good. We try to eat healthier here and there. You know, especially um, makes you know, us feel good. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in the U.S., you want to feel good from for a different couple of different ways, right? In in our country, it's coming up on beach season, right? People want to look good, and when they look good, sometimes that influences how they feel, and and, and that's psychological, right? We get that, and there's there's a there's a, a physicality to that as well. But recognition can fall into the the same kind of practice. It is a discipline, and for some of our cultures, we're really a ground zero. We've got to start with the basics. It's like boot camp, right? We've got to get in there and build a different workplace based on recognition. Give people an opportunity to look to the left and to the right and see what someone is doing and how that work is impacting the work of that individual. And take the, take the time to say, thank you. I really appreciate what you just did. And I know I don't say it often, but there's no way I could do what I'm doing if you didn't get that done as well as you do, as quickly as you do, um, and, and and that is going to mean something to that person on the left or right, and it changes a tonality across the board in the company. Totally. We have, I mean, we're obviously huge advocates of recognition, but uh, sure. we definitely liked sure. hosting that webinar with you because you realize the importance of it as well. Yeah, I, and I appreciate so, you guys having me to do that as well, really. Let, let me just make sure I say thank you. But, but I, I would say that, again, <laughs> One perspective is about affirmation, and it isn't just because it has to make you feel good emotionally, though that's part of it. It makes you feel good to know that you're connected to something that you want to stay connected to long term. And coming back to retention from a couple of minutes ago, that's a smart way that recognition can be used as, a, as part of your overall retention strategy. Definitely. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. What is oh, one fun fact most people don't know about you? Oh, gosh, one fun fact. Um, well, most people, um, you know, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve, so I don't think that there's a lot I leave to the imagination, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I would say that there are, uh, I, I would say there's there's a, group of folks that don't know that I, uh, I, I, I used to be kind of a, a, a dancer. I, I want to kind of qualify it. So wow. back in the, <laughs> in the college days, yeah, I used to, I mean, this is really funny. Like I used to dance at a club and I was up to be a back, backup dancer for a, a tour for a group for the summer and 
um, wow. you know, that was performing concerts and all this good stuff. Yeah, I mean, and I know it sounds really amazing and all, but you have to remember, like, in the in the time gone by where I was doing that kind of dancing, that's when it was like, you know, MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice <laughs> And, you know, so it was a long time ago, and dancing was kind of a little different than, than what you see today. I would not say I'm trained in, in any constructive way, but uh, folks probably didn't know that about me. Not a lot. Did you have the pants, too? I did. I did. I had the hammer pants, the Z Cavaricis, the parachute pants. Um, I had pants that you could unzip um, on each side from waist to ankle, and <laughs> then extra material would come out so that you had the really, really puffy pants. Um, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. That's awesome. I definitely learned something new today. <laughs> yes, and I will not wear them. And, and for those <laughs> folks that are listening to this, no, don't ask me. I won't put them on. So I'm, I'm guessing you won't be wearing them at work, human. Uh, for I will your not. Session. That's a great guess. That's exactly right. Good guess. <laughs> Um, so for the listeners that don't know, um, you, have, you have a session at WorkHuman, and it's called Engage to Uncover Competency, a Business Imperative. Uh, so can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek into that session? Sure, and uh, I'm really excited about this. Uh, it, it's going to give me an opportunity to deliver this in a, um, a little bit of a different way, and, and the, the forum at, at WorkHuman uh, at Phoenix this year is going to be an ideal um, environment for it. But really the, the basic premise behind it is that balance, I would say, between art and science. We're really, as, an, as a discipline, we've really tried to push more the assessment consideration, um, the kind of testing that we do, uh, both for, uh, from a, a candidate selection perspective, but then also within an organization um, assessment work perhaps that we're doing to determine competencies, to move folks forward, um, figure out which la uh, ladder of progression they should follow um, within an organization, um, and that's great work. But the component that needs to be considered has to do with engagement. Um, and there are times in which an assessment could pick up the fact that someone may have a competency in a certain area, but there's nothing going on in the workplace that causes them to connect to the fact that they have that ability. And if you sit down with someone and say, hey, did you know this test says you know how to do X, or you might be really good at Y, the response of the person could very genuinely be, oh, I didn't know, thanks so much, or yeah, I, I know I can do that, but I never have to do it here. Um, if there's really not a great plan, if we're not really engaged with those employees to figure out how do we leverage those things, does that mean we start different verticals? Does that mean that we um, reformulate the way that we have certain processes right now? Does it mean that the person really could help lead a group of people with a particular project rather than only looking at it like we're going, we need to just advance them to management. Can we have different ways in which folks can sort of be tapped into without as much formality as sometimes we fall into? Um, and I think that really drives our uh, ability to be flexible and mobile in the business community and be profitable um, ahead quite a bit. So I'm going to kind of uncover some of those details around that and some of the psychology around it as well. Next, I just wanted to ask, you know, you go to a lot of conferences, you speak at a lot of conferences. Why do you keep coming back to WorkHuman? You know, what sets it apart from other conferences? 
Yeah, that's that's a really a fantastic question. And and honestly, last week I had a chance to to talk to someone who asked me a very similar question. Um, I I think that that work human positions itself in such a way that while it is a conference by title, um, it doesn't function as one. Um, it's it's a very collaborative spirit. There are a lot of opportunities to um, be holistic in your approach to these ideas. Yes, there is a, a business connection, but there's also a personal connection. Um, there are qualities and uh, of of, a, of humans that get examined there, um, and that are encouraged there. Um, that sometimes may not necessarily fit within, say, a more traditional conference agenda. Um, and you really remember the fact that these are people. We lead people. We are connected to people. Um, and, and you don't have to keep separate your strategic goals from this is Joe sitting next to me, and I've known Joe for four years, and you know, how do Joe and I relate? How does that relate to the department we work in? How does that relate to the bosses that we work for, the staff that reports to us? All of that just becomes very, um, very much seen in eyes of empathy and compassion sometimes, balanced with um, eyes that are challenging. We have to have people think more critically, that we have to have them think beyond just today's you know, task list, but really beyond that. And Work Human really gives um, an outlet for that to occur. There's great conversations that go on there. Um, and you guys always do a beautiful job of sparing, I would say, no expense in the way in which you approach the people that are there. You make them feel like a million bucks, and that goes a long way. Well, thank you so much, John. I appreciate talking to you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the, uh, the invite. So that's our interview with John Baldino, founder and president of Humoriso. Um, if you would like to see John in person at WorkHuman, there are spots still available. Just visit www.workhuman.com, and if you put in the code PODCAST, you'll save 100 bucks. Tune in next time where we're going to talk to author Tamara Chandler about how to reboot your culture with human-centered performance management. Thanks for listening to WorkHuman Radio. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.